Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now, and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. It's Robin. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. Okay, guys, I just want you to know I am uncomfortable, but I'm doing it anyway. (laughs) Talk about girl parts. And we're going to talk about me even talking about them as girl parts. And so I have Dr. Jennifer Lincoln here, and I want to tell you about her first And then we're going to dive into the questions. And look, I just want to say, like, I never got to talk about this as a kid uh, with my mom. Uh, We never really talked about it at all. And so, like, I just feel like I have catapulted myself back in time as like a teenager, not knowing the right words to say or anything. (laughs) Boy, so I've never actually had to talk about it. So let me just tell you about Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. She is a board certified OBGYN who is passionate about helping girls women, and those assigned female at birth understand their bodies and feel empowered to advocate for themselves. Oh, I love it. Her book, Let's Talk About Down There, and OBGYN answers all your burning questions without making you feel embarrassed for asking. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Oh my gosh. And like, I just, I'm going to be embarrassed asking you all these questions. So no, not at all. (laughs) The great thing about her book is it's all about being shame-free and it's an illustrated handbook for people with vaginas. Um, it is, it's like the health class you wish you had. And that's what I love about what your work is all about. And you, your work is based in evidence in myth busting sex ed, and you really toss shame out of the window. And this guide that you have, you answer the questions about vaginal, sexual, and reproductive health that many are afraid to ask addressing topics such as hormones, menstrual cups, 
and birth control to empower readers to make more informed decisions about their health. Dr. Lincoln also serves on the medical board of Flow Health Incorporated and is the number one, which is the number one women's health app and regularly contributes to media such as Today, Good Morning America, BuzzFeed, Newsweek, Parents Magazine, and so on. And she has a community of 2.6 million followers on TikTok and a loyal following on YouTube, Instagram, and Instagram. And she enjoys using social media to educate people. So my goodness, I love that you're talking about all of this. And again, like nobody ever talked to me about this. I remember <laughs> my mom literally saying, well, we'll buy you a book. Like, right. that was it. And I don't forget, I didn't ever get the book. Yeah, so yeah. I need your book. Maybe yeah, there you go. That. There you go. Yeah. Catch up now. <laughs> Yeah. So thanks for being here. I, um, I want to talk about it all. Yeah. And it's so, you know, I, I have done so many podcasts with people who are like sex educators or, you know, like this is their bread and butter. And it's super fun to talk to people who are like, you know what, I don't talk about this every day and I don't feel comfortable because that's literally the people I'm trying to reach because just like you, I grew up not having a lot of this stuff talked about. So it's sort of coming full circle. And if you don't know the answers, you don't know the words, like that's okay. Because when we learn them, then we can use them. But until then, like, yeah. how do we know? So it's totally, there's no, there's no stupid questions here. That's for sure. Okay. Well, that's great. And I love the, the no shame and I'm here for it. And I'm here to learn as well as uh, to listen. So, yeah. um, and so your work is, is around both teenagers who mm-hmm. are, who have their periods and also moms too. So you talk about mm-hmm. reproductive health, you mm-hmm. talk about all of it. And so let's talk about us as parents Mm -hmm. and how we start the conversation with our girls. I'm going to tell you that when I first found out what a period was, (laughs) I walked into the girls' bathroom at my elementary school and saw a toilet filled with blood and was beyond shocked. Right. Oh my God, did somebody die here? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And one of my little friends said, oh, that's what that is. This is mm-hmm. a period. And I was like, my mind, I mean, if you could like talk about blowing your yeah. mind. So yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think we need to talk about it before you have an experience like that. That but- would be ideal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, and I'm a mom too. I've got two boys, 11 and almost seven. So like I'm in the trenches doing the parenting thing too. And it's definitely not like a, I've got it all figured out either, even though I'm in medicine. So it's a unique yeah. place to be. And I would say, like you said, like you want to start talking about these things so early on and it might seem silly, but you can honestly start these conversations almost from day one. And what I mean by that is, you know, consent and using the words. So, Mm. you know, when you're changing your baby's diaper and saying, is it okay if I change your diaper now, or I'm wiping your penis or I'm wiping your vulva. And you might think that's ridiculous. Three month olds do not understand these words, but Mm. I can tell you that when my babies were both a few months old, they got that. They heard that the words, the pause, Mm-hmm. And their bodies would just relax or I was like, nope, it's not a good time. And it just became one of those things where that was the stage that was set. And it goes mm-hmm. into when, you know, you talk about tickling or, or touching or when grandma wants to hug you and, you and you say, no, you don't for, oh, you need to hug grandma. That's consent. Mm-hmm. And that way, when they're learning these body parts and they're learning these things, when it comes time to talk about more things like periods and sex, it's just an extension of that. And it's something as simple as when you say, when they say, where do babies come from? And you're starting to have that conversation. You use the words like uterus and egg and sperm as opposed to tummy. And, you know, Mm. 
stork or whatever. So there's lots of good resources out there to help with that. And it's totally okay to do age appropriate conversations as they get older. Um, nobody here is saying like, you know, you need to have them, you know, talking about these things when they're five years old and in the full extent, but there's little snippets and they will let you know what they're ready for. One of the key points I do as a parent is I say, what do you think? You know, when my mm. four-year-old was like, where do babies come from? And I say, what do you think? And he would say the uterus. I'm like, yep. I'm like, do you want to know more about that? He's like, nope. I'm like, okay, that's all we need to know today. But in two years, when you ask me more, then I'll see that you want to know more. And it tells your kids that they can come to you and they can talk to you and they don't have to like go to their friend in school or the internet and try to figure these things out, which is just invaluable. When you I love with your kids that, that you way. just said that because that is what we want to be for our kids in right. all of the topics, you know, totally. is to really be the one that they come to because mm-hmm. we have the answers. If we don't have them, exactly. we'll get them, right. but that, that they can get the facts that are and, and because they're always looking to us to see what to do, what to say, how yeah, to act. And so they are, even when you think they're not. And I think yeah. that like you said, it is, I mean, I say, I don't know a hundred times today. There was a question. Um, my kids asked me on the way to school today and they were like, what is the meaning of this word? And I couldn't think of a good way to describe it. So I said, ask your teacher because I was too <laughs> tired, but I often many times say, you know, I don't know, let's figure that out. Or I'm not sure. And so if you were asked a question and you're caught off guard or like, Oh, is this the time for the conversation? Or I don't know. You can say, you know what? I'd love to chat with you about this, but just let's chat about it tonight. Or let me look into it. You can always say that. And that shows your kids that it's also okay to like take a pause and say, I need to get more information or it's okay. Your kids don't expect you to know everything all the time. Yeah. And make sure that if you say you're going to do it, you do it. Right. And you're not just like using that as the exit strategy of like, no, no, let me see if they forget about it. You know, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Which as parents, we've all done when we're like, oh, they're asking for that. Like that's so fun. It's fine. But these conversations are important. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. So, um, okay. So I love that what you have really just sort of zeroed in on is consent. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, so and, and, yeah. and I remember hearing that early on, you know, and thinking, yes, it's silly and I'm still going to do it. It feels silly, right. but I'm still going right. to do it. Like I'm going to change your diaper now, you know, yeah. is it yeah. okay? Is it okay yeah. for me to, you know, and I, and, and would throughout their lives, even when, you mm-hmm. know, they're going on the toilet, like, is it okay to wipe your bum or is it okay? Yes, you know, all exactly. that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and I also, you know, and I think as they get older, I, and, and of course this is, this is a statement, also a question, you know, I, I try to respect their privacy, not, mm-hmm. you know, like, no, I'll look away. And, you know, right, one right. of my boys is like, mom, you're my mom. It doesn't matter. I'm like, no, I still look away. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But, but I, but I think there's a balance between it not being shameful and also mm-hmm. being respectful, right? Like right. you don't have anything to be ashamed of. I'm looking away for your privacy, not for, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or if they say, you know, Oh, mom, get out of here. Like, you know, they're getting changed or something. And, you know, my gut reaction is always like, I wiped your butt for years. Like, and now, but, and then I'm thinking, no, no, like, you're right. You're old enough. Like that's absolutely. And that's where you're teaching them how to be good adults too. Right. Like how many times are you like, why didn't you, why did you just barge in? You need to knock on the door. Like privacy matters. This actually, I think becomes really huge when you're talking about Mm -hmm. topics like masturbation and things like that, where, yeah, your kids are going to do it. No, talking about it is not going to make them do it, but you can even say like, you know, okay. Like I see to the five-year-old that's touching themselves. Of course, it's always like in the grocery store line and you're like, honey, (laughs) I know that feels really good, but two things we do that in private, just like going to the bathroom and we always wash our hands afterwards. 
boom, you've talked about it. It's not shameful. You've set them up for knowing that their bodies and feeling good isn't a shameful thing. Cause down the road, when we talk about sex, we want them to know that if it doesn't feel good or if it hurts, that's a problem. And we want them to feel empowered to talk about it. So mm. it seems so silly when they're little, but it really, it sets that sort of that, um, that foundation for these more, you know, I guess sort of complicated topics as they get older. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was going to ask you about masturbation and yeah. you said it. So I'm going to just dive right in. <laughs> there we um, go. I love it. Let's, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so right. So kids are naturally curious. So know that, know yes. that, that when they're early, you know, kids do play, I'll show you mine. If you show me yours and yeah, they, totally you know, normal. yes, it's normal. It's natural. It's curiosity. Right. Uh, and like, you know, and, and, and so these conversations do need to start early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and so let's talk about masturbation because I think that's obviously a really uncomfortable thing as, as a, as a mom to, to accept that your child is now a sexual mm-hmm. thing as well. Mm-hmm. And sex, the, the, the drive of sex is very, can be all consuming, right? Yeah. So it's a strong, it's, a, I guess, see, I don't know the words, but I want to say yeah. like, it's a strong urge and it's a yeah. human trait. So yeah, it's totally normal. Yeah. Let's not pretend it's not happening. Right. 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 So how do we broach the subject of that? When do we, yeah. How do we do it? Like, yeah. And I think, yeah, it's one of those things that it can start young and you don't even have to say, well, this is masturbation, and da, da, da. but it's when you notice <laughs> your kid, like touching themselves or like, you know, on the couch or whatever. And you're like, Oh, that's so cool. That feels good. You know, I'm talking about sort of those guidelines and usually that's, that's where it ends. And then as they get older, you know, and and they're learning about sex and they're learning about those things. The way that I like to talk about masturbation is frame it in your head as a parent, as it's the safest sex they'll ever have. They can't get an infection. They can't get anybody pregnant. They can't get pregnant themselves. So to, to make it feel very scary, it's actually one of the safest ways that they'll satisfy their, their sexual urges, which like you said, are normal. Literally, we're put on this earth to pass on our DNA. Biologically, that's like what our brains are obsessed with. And so it's normal to feel that. And so you can have those discussions with kids, you know, and say, hey, maybe, you know, this now that they're older. So this is what it's called. And I just want you to know that it is okay to do this. This is a great time to talk about porn too. Like you can even say, hey, what have you heard about this? Or what have you learned? Or what have you heard about what, you know, what people see on the internet and you can talk about how it's not realistic. It can be degrading. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily representative of what normal sex is like. Um, and saying, you know, you're at that age now where if the door is closed, I'm going to respect that I'll knock. And it's that again, is something you've set up from, you know, a long time earlier. Um, and I think that it's just one of those things that you talk about and you normalize it because again, it's like the safest thing they'll, they'll ever do. <laughs> That's, that is, um, you've, you've just articulated that in a way that I'd never heard before. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really you are accepting and respecting, you right. know, right? right. Accepting this is a thing and respect. Right. it's a normal that, part of our biology. Right. That- yeah. And yeah. I think it just helps to hear that again, you know, mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah. This, this is normal and natural. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and, and uh, by the way, for, for those listening, I, you know, uh, I, I have a past episode and actually I'm about to record another episode on good pictures, bad pictures, porn refusal, Ooh, the dangers of pornography, yeah. mm-hmm. what that does, how actually it is making some young boys um, addicted, but also 
uh, impotent and their sexual functions don't like they can't get an erection in a normal Mm -hmm. experience. Uh, Mm -hmm. again, jump in anytime. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, (laughs) um, uh, and also can, can actually breed predators can make them predators. Mm -hmm. So they want to do what they're seeing. And, uh, and I think, I think for the vast majority of people, you know, they don't get to that point. And and I've talked about my YouTube channel, like there actually is a thing called ethical porn, which is filmed in a way where people are paid appropriately and they can consent. And it's very much about boundaries. And some people disagree yeah. and they're like, well, there's no such thing as that. Um, and the thing is, is that you can use porn as part of a you know healthy, fulfilling sex life, but it's very different if you're 35 and you're viewing it, in my opinion, than you're 15 or 14. And that's your first instance of seeing what you think is normal. And then, like you said, only wanting that, which is very, can be very different from what normal relationships are. So I think it's really important to talk about that and to be like, mm-hmm. if this is an obsession or an addiction or something like, yeah, you need to, you need to seek help for sure. Cause that's not okay. And the age is very yeah. young. As mm-hmm. soon as you yeah. give your child a device or access yeah. to the internet, they have access to porn and exactly. the, the age, they is will find it. They will seven. just find it. So you they need won't. to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. You it don't doesn't matter how place. many things, it doesn't matter how many you know, things you put out there and you try to be perfect, like in all the blocks. Think about when you were a kid, right? You could always figure a way around or a way. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget this. It was in the late, yeah, late nineties. Mm-hmm. I was a volunteer. It was still like late teens, early twenties, maybe just 20. Mm-hmm. And I worked as a volunteer at science world, which is in Vancouver here. Everybody uh-huh. knows that big ball with all the lights on it. Anyway, I, I, w- I was a volunteer there for a very short time. And I, I worked in this one gallery that had, that changed all the time. And it just happened to have a computer in it. Uh-huh. And it wasn't long, like I'm talking minutes where all yeah. the, these two boys came in and uh, could have mm-hmm. been two girls. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. And all of a sudden they were, they found a porn site. Yeah. And I'm like, that was like way back then. When, right. And, and they were like, like oh, oh God. So, so like they're curious, they're curious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, totally. And I think that's also, you know, when we talk about that and we talk about sometimes sex can hurt mm-hmm. and that's not yeah. supposed to, right. um, that's a good way to, uh, as a warning sign, yeah. look, it's yeah. not supposed to hurt. So right. Right. Somebody wants and, to hurt you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's, and sex education, you know, you're in Canada, I'm in the U S where it's very variable. Um, but the basics yeah. of a lot of sex education is really fear-based, right? Don't get pregnant. Don't get STIs. Don't mm-hmm. do it. You know, depending where you are, it varying degrees of actual information, but I f- feel like what's left out. I mean, I didn't get it. And what most of my followers on social media Nobody ever talked about, like you said, like, Hey, sex could feel good and can be a really healthy part of, you know, a stable relationship. And, um, here's what to do if it hurts and you don't have to say yes. And here's how to do it safely. And if you do find that there's pain or you're having issues, like let your healthcare provider know, and we can dive into it. Um, that almost never gets talked about. And then people are adults and they're suffering in silence because they don't know it's a problem they've only seen, you know, what sex looks like in porn, which is totally fake. And they think that they're supposed to orgasm from like five minutes of penetrative sex, which is so not the case, like so many like fallacies, but when you don't know any different, you just assume you think it's you and we don't talk about it because it's shameful. So really giving your kids the words to even know these things studies have shown, it will not make them go out and have sex. 
It will not make them have sex sooner or with more people. It actually will probably help them have better sex, safer sex. We know that for sure. And less likely to be victims of abuse because they do have the words. We know that kids who know the words of their body parts, they're less likely to become victims because they'll, they'll speak up and say, Hey, you're not supposed to touch me there. Or, you know, they can very clearly say he touched me on my vagina on my bottom or, you know, it, it really makes a huge difference. I know parents are scared, but I promise you it sets your kids up for success. And you were a kid once too, right? And now you have kids like that may it happens. They grow up as much as we don't want them to, but we can change the trajectory of how they do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Okay. So let's talk about girls getting their periods. And so first I want to talk about early periods because, Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is not, I didn't, I didn't mention this to you ahead of time that I was going to even bring this up, but as we were talking, it it just, it just occurred to me. So girls are getting periods at different ages. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um, so, so my first question is when should girls expect to have their period? Yeah. Age. Yeah. It's hard to say exactly what age, but the big clue is after T-larky, which is the fancy word for when you start to get breasts. So usually you will get a period within a year about after starting breast development. So that can be a really good clue. Like, Hey, we should talk about this now. Um, and that can vary, you know, for some people it's age nine and for others it's 12. So it's just about knowing your kid and, and, and knowing where they're at and and being able to talk about it. Um, I think that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so, so here's my question for you. I'll give you a little mm-hmm. scenario uh, yeah. and then, because I, I didn't know this at all. And, um, I was with, uh, another mom who has a daughter and at the time her daughter was, I I'm going to say around 10, mm-hmm. um, she was a really, really tall girl, mm-hmm. really yeah. big, tall girl. Uh, dad is really tall. So, yeah. whatever. but, um, there was something going on with her and they, gosh, I'm not even sure how they know now. And you would know this, but they actually wanted, they brought her in to stop her from getting her first period early. They Mm -hmm. felt that she was going to get it early. Mm -hmm. And if she did, that would hurt her in the long run. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, so here's the reason they did it. And I don't know if this is true or not. So this is what I'm, why I'm asking. One is they said that, um, I mean, of course we only have so many eggs. If you, if you, if you release a lot of those eggs, when you're, when you're not going to be conceiving a child, Mm -hmm. um, you have fewer later on. That Mm -hmm. was one. Uh, the, uh, the other is that, um, they find that when girls have their periods earlier, that it actually stops them from growing even taller. So some of these girls, end up going from the tallest girl in the class to like the shortest girl in the class mm-hmm. because everybody else has. So is that true? Is that a bunch of like, not truth or yeah. like, what, um, what's going on? That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I can't say I've ever encountered that specific scenario really? and like, you know, you've got the number of eggs you have and, and whether you start menstruating at 10 or 13, like is not going to drastically change okay. your fertility or anything like that. And she's already started puberty. So she's already growing. Um, so I don't know why you would do anything to stop that. Cause she's already girls, they tend to grow earlier anyway. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so it, it, it kind of varies and yeah, I can't speak to an individual case, but I would say that it's not abnormal to start your period at 11 or 10 or 11 or 12. Like it could happen. Um, and it could be fine. And it's not, you know, an indicator of anything abnormal. It's just kids go through puberty at different ages. Um, it's not what we consider premature less than like eight or nine. Um, and it's not too late, which is like after 15. So, so I don't know. Um, but but you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop a period from starting at that age. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, some kids, they do, they just, you know, they can, and they, you would need to check a bone age and see where she is, where she is in puberty, that kind of thing by doing an x-ray. So I would need more information. So I wouldn't be able to Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I just, I had never heard that. I didn't know that was a thing and I don't have girls. I have boys. So I haven't really had a chance to even go into that. Uh Um, I I thought that was uh, such a interesting Mm -hmm situation. Yeah. Okay. And I've definitely seen that, you know, in younger kids, like seven yeah. or eight, like that's a different, that's really, um, you know, what we call precocious puberty, but at the age of 10, like that doesn't seem so, abnormal doesn't seem so I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for indulging yeah. <laughs> the weird question. Um, okay. So let's talk about periods. So, so, um, I don't remember what happens mm-hmm. first. Do, do girls start to get a little bit of discharge first and mm-hmm. then they get periods mm-hmm. and then, you know, what should they expect for flow? Is it heavy? Yeah. Is it all really individual? Yeah. Um, what products should they use? Mm-hmm. How do they take care of themselves? Like mm-hmm. one of the things I love in your social media is you're not dirty, you know, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. is there like, what if there is a smell? Is that yeah. normal? So, like all yeah. the things? Yes. Please. Yeah. I think the best thing, cause you know, kids always want to know, they're like, when, when will my period come? Like what date and what time? And I get it. Yeah. Cause you want to know, cause you're at school and you're like, Oh my God, what's happening. And unfortunately we can't be that exact, but we talked about TLRK being one of the big indicators. And then yes, you might see an increase in discharge too, just because what that discharge is, is it's the more estrogen you have. So as you go you know, enter into puberty, your vagina, you know, the tissue becomes a little um, more robust. And so what is coming out is that discharge old cells. And so that's a sign that you might be getting your period soon. Um, so it's really hard to know, but one of the things that I wish had been around when I was going through this would have been period underwear, because the idea that you could just have underwear on, if you're like, I don't know, I'm going to be at school. And I'm afraid, cause you can wear it as regular underwear. And then if you happen to get your period, like whatever. Um, oh so in, ter- in terms of flow, it can be very variable. Um, some people may just have a little bit of spotting because it is totally normal in the first couple years of your period to have what we call anovulatory cycles, which means that you're not ovulating all the time. So your first period, you know, you release an egg, you don't get pregnant and you have a period of withdrawal bleed and you might not have one for another two or three months, or you might have what we call an anovulatory cycle. So there might be some spotting. So I encourage people always to track their periods because that's super helpful. It's a vital sign. It's important to know, but it's totally normal for it to be a little wacky in the first year or two. Mm. And, um, in, you know, depending where you are, your school will have period products available. I hate when they are in the nurse's office because there's nothing more annoying than making a girl go to the nurse's office after she's got like blood stained, you know, her skirt or her uniform or whatever, like advocate for having them in the bathrooms, all gender bathrooms, because you don't know who's going to use what bathroom. And maybe, you know, somebody's in the other bathroom and show them how to use it. Like have pads, have tampons, just talk about it. How, you know, you can talk about menstrual cups, underwear, all that good stuff and just show them what it looks like. Don't be afraid because the more they're prepared, like I wasn't prepared. I thought I was going to die because I, 
did not know it was happening. I kind of knew what it was, but I had nothing on me. You can even make a little period kit that you, you know, oh. your kiddo keeps in their backpack, which I think I is a great that. idea. Like yeah. an extra pair of underwear, some products, you know, oh my and gosh, just what a like, great idea. Yeah. And just that way they've got it. They're prepared and just tell them that it's not embarrassing. And if they see somebody else who's got like bloodstained pants or whatever, don't like, be like look at her, like teach them to be like, Hey, I noticed this. Do you want to go to the bathroom and just be that friend for other people and break down that shame and stigma mm. associated with it. That's so good. That's so, so good. Um, okay. And so, um, what about birth control mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, you know, of course, birth control is used for other reasons than right. just totally birth. Yeah. So, so when would you suggest a girl go on birth control mm-hmm. and for what reasons? Yeah. So when we're talking about the younger ages, you know, yeah. just getting your period or like early teen years. Um, I mean, obviously it's good to be on some form of birth control if they're sexually active, but it's, uh, it's used a lot of times for what we call dysmenorrhea or painful periods um, right. or heavy periods. And so I bet a lot of parents are listening and saying, oh my gosh, I can't put my 13 year old on birth control. That's bad for them. I do want you to know that there's a lot of misinformation about birth control out there, especially on social media. There's so much misinformation. Um, So if you have questions about it, I highly encourage you to partner um, with your kid's doctor. We do recommend that they come to the OBGYN between the ages of 13 to 15. And that's really just to chat. Um, And that's here, you know, with the American College of OBGYNs. It might be different in other countries, but bottom line is they're talking to somebody about their periods and how things are. So they at least have someone they can listen to and they can ask Mm. questions of, including in a confidential way. Mm. Um, but birth control can be used for painful periods, heavy periods. Um, if your kids are missing school because of their periods, it's not okay. And I don't know about you, but we were told it's that time of the month, just suck it up, eat some chocolate, watch a movie, cry a little and take some ibuprofen and just get back to school. And like, that's not okay. Because for some people, especially those who might've endometriosis or fibroids, life can really suck when you're on your period and we have good treatments. So knowing that there's good information out there, getting your information from good sources and knowing that using any form of birth control does not increase your risk of infertility down the line. That is one of the biggest myths I see out there and it's totally false. And we have studies to look at this. Okay. Um, good to know. Yeah. And being put on birth control will not make them have sex either. I, I, I really want parents to stress, like, um, it's not like giving them like the, Oh, now that you're on this, we think it's okay. Like it's, it's really, it can be a life-changing thing to not be able to go to school because you're, you're hemorrhaging or you're bleeding. Um, and of course it, it's not this band-aid. People say, well, you just give birth control to everybody. It's important to look into it. You had mentioned flow, like what's, what's the flow like for some people, the first diagnosis of a bleeding disorder are heavy periods. Um, Von Willebrand's disease is one of the most common reasons that people have a bleeding disorder and it's diagnosed at the time of their period where they're just like hemorrhaging. Like that's not okay. Oh my gosh. And so, oh. and we can treat that with birth control. So it's, it's truly a medicine for some people. Wow. Okay. That's, that is so good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so birth control in general is, mm-hmm. is safe. It doesn't mm-hmm. cause infertility. What Correct. about cancers or breast cancer or anything? Yeah. Like that? So you'll see, you know, people, I, my favorite social media posts are the ones that say, Oh, birth control is a class one carcinogen. And they're not telling you this. And I'm like, that's true that estrogen is listed, but so is the sun. And so is alcohol. So it's about the dose makes the poison. And Mm. also 
So what they're talking about is breast cancer. There's a, a slight increased risk in breast cancer in a very small percentage, and it's temporary when you stop taking it. Um, it goes away. And that's one of those things that you look at the numbers, you decide whether or not that's okay for you, but also being on birth control decreases your risk of cancers of the uterus, the ovary and colorectal cancers. And these protections persist after stopping. So for example, I was on the birth control five years out of my life. I have decreased my risk of ovarian cancer by 20% for my entire life, which is pretty awesome when you think that ovarian cancer is horrible. Um, and yeah. so we actually use birth control for some people as to protect them from cancer, like cancer of the uterus. Um, so it's about getting that balanced information and understanding like, yes, there, of course there are risks with birth control. Um, and there are risks with not being on birth control. I mean, when you compare a lot of the risks that people have heard of like blood clots, heart attacks, cancer, um, all of those risks are actually substantially higher, like astronomically higher in pregnancy. And so it's just important to set that to get that perspective of like, where in the range of risk are we talking about? So things just sometimes tend to get blown out of control on social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, uh, yeah uh, well, I mean, they, d- mm-hmm. they do, which is why you're here and I'm so grateful that you're here. So, okay. So when, when girls have got their periods, mm-hmm. what do you, uh, I, gosh, I love the idea of that period kit. I really do like mm-hmm. that's such mm-hmm. a great idea. And, and yeah. even period underwear, love it. Yeah. Like just, just in case. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but, um, what should, like, what is, what are some of the, the products that you would recommend? I mean, is mm-hmm. a tampon safe? Yeah. Um, is it better to use the, the cup yeah. or, you know, like what, what do you, yeah. What do you say about that? I think for most people, like first time period menstruating, the, um, the underwear or pads are easiest. Cause they're just like, they're just easier, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's just, it's just simpler. Um, but absolutely. If, if, you know, your daughter or your kid is interested in tampons or cups, like it's okay. There's this idea that they can't use them if they are virgins or they've never had penetrative sex or it's, right. it's going to be too hard. And So that's all fake. Like you don't need to worry about that. Um, And it's one of those things that if they're interested in it, they've expressed an interest. There's a ton of good content online, on social media, on the like individual companies' websites that show here's how you remove and take out a cup. And here's how you use a tampon. Mm. Um, I do recommend against practicing when you're not on your period, because it can actually be a bit painful when there's none of that blood there, because that acts as a lubricant. So if your child wants to use these, first of all, it's okay. Again, it doesn't mean they're out having tons of sex because they want to use a tampon. Um, But if they want to practice when they're on their period, that's awesome. And have them practice and like hang out at home, see how it feels. You can always put a pad underneath or um, period underwear underneath so that if they leak. Um, And I've got some content on, um, it's actually a YouTube video. It's called what dads need to know about periods. But it's really for, it's for like any parent, what they need to know about periods. And I show the products and they talk about how to talk to your kids about it. And I've got references of like websites that you can look at. Mm. Um, and I just, just know that just because they use a tampon doesn't mean that like they're doing things that you don't know or, um, and again, Gen Z is very much into sustainability and and caring about the climate, which I love. And so underwear Mm. products and cut products are really, really great. Um, one of the things a lot of parents worry about is TSS or toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. Right. We all grew up hearing about it. Like if we left our tampon in too long, we were all going to die from it. Thankfully it's extremely rare, extremely rare. The risks are actually about the same with cup and tampon use. 
Um, and actually you're more likely to get TSS from something else like related to childbirth or, you know, a skin infection as opposed to tampon use. So it's it's important. We know about it, but we're not all going to drop dead from it. I promise you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, I, I remember hearing all of that stuff too. So, um, okay. I've got, I, I, I want to talk about, you you know, we were just talking about cancer. So I want to ask you about HPV and and getting vaccinated. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. Yes. And I also want to talk about PMS. Yeah. So um, maybe we'll talk about PMS first and then we'll, we'll yeah, dive let's into do it. HPV. Um, so, so, okay. K- explain PMS please. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just want to say to everybody listening, mm-hmm. obviously the last thing you want to do is like, Oh my God, you're PMSing or oh, you're such a, you know, a B right. you're, you're, you're PMSing, like mm-hmm. let's stop all that, please. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's, let's, yeah. Tell, totally. me, tell me what it's all about, why we yeah. have it, how can we minimize it? And yeah all that stuff. Yeah. It's real. It stands for premenstrual syndrome. It's, it happens to 30 to 80% of menstruators. I feel like probably all of us have had it in some point in time and it's symptoms just before your period. That's why it's called premenstrual. So it can be mood symptoms, feeling a little moody, a little out of it, a little fatigued, um, emotional, but also physical symptoms, bloating, nausea, maybe even some diarrhea, some cramping. And it's related to the hormone fluctuations that you've got going on in your body. Um, And these are the kind of things that can be annoying, but they should not be wrecking your life. That is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD, which happens in about three to 8% of menstruators. And that is all those symptoms that they make it such that you can't function. So you can't go to work or you, your relationships fall apart because you're so angry or you're so irritable. And these are real. And I made a TikTok about this a few months ago, and it was so sad how many people were like, this is me. And I had no idea. And I thought I was just a bad person. And I, people oh. were telling me I was being dramatic and, um, and they really broke my heart. But again, mm-hmm. if you can't name it, it's really hard to then feel like you can ask, like you need some help. So that's why it's important to know these things are out there. The good news with PMS is that oftentimes it can be treated. Um, sometimes it's related to up and down of hormones. So birth control can help, but you don't have to be on birth control. And I mean, hormonal birth control. It can also be, um, taking vitamins like calcium and magnesium have been shown to help Mm. a little bit beforehand. So that's why tracking your period can be helpful. Okay. I was going to ask you about tracking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be helpful and you can just do it on a good old fashioned, you know, calendar, like I did back when (laughs) I was doing that. Um, and then you can also, it's really helpful because if you ever feel like you need to seek care, you've already got, you can show this to your provider and be like, look, these are the days that I struggle, or this is when it hurts. And that can help us dive in. Um, And it can also be, it can also, you can kind of plan your life and be like, okay, this is the first day of my period. Like that's not the day I'm going to sign up for the 8 million volunteer things at my kid's school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then premenstrual dysphoric disorder, a little more severe. That's why suppressing your cycles with birth control might be a bit more helpful, but Mm -hmm. we can also treat it with, um, with, you know, antidepressants or SSRIs, things that Mm -hmm. can really get, get you to a better place. Um, but you don't just have to suck it up and live with it. Oh, and good. to everybody who's listening, like, especially to the guys, don't ever say, gosh, you must be on your period. Because that just means that gives me free will to just like kick you between the legs and be like, gosh, yeah. you just must have gotten kicked between the legs. Like, just no, we yeah. would never do that. So don't do that to us. <laughs> it is, it is, I, I wanted the ultimate. Uh, oh, right. Like, has it ever gone well when somebody's, yeah, yeah, has it yeah, ever yeah, gone yeah. well? <laughs> 
how's that comment working for you? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, oh yeah. my God. You get yeah. That's for a reason, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's good to know, right? So mm-hmm. 30 to 80% of people will experience it. It's mood, mm-hmm. it's emotional. It can be physical. Mm-hmm. And I think you said something really important. You said that there's, uh, there is also like diarrhea. And, yes. stuff. and like, yes. I remember like in my twenties <sighs> talking to my friends going like, do you get diarrhea? Yeah. Period yeah. Like, poops. Oh, yeah. Totally. I do too. Yeah. yeah it's like, all that. Totally. It's that- it's the progesterone, it's prostaglandins, yeah. it's all, yeah. And I feel like, yeah, nobody talks about it. Like oh. I honestly never did either. And I just was like, oh, it must just be me, you know? Yeah. All that chocolate they said I should eat. So I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> As if it isn't already a mess down there. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> it's so true. You're like, ah, it's a disaster. Please help me. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Oh my gosh. I have so many questions to ask you. Okay. Let's talk about HPV. Yes. Like, do our kids need to be yes. vaccinated? That yeah. Yes. You're saying yes. Totally. Okay. So this is like the one vaccine we have that prevents cancer. And I know that this is a vaccine that a lot of parents are like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I want you to know that the reason you feel that way is because when this vaccine came out, there was a lot of pushback and it's because it had to do that. You might be linking a vaccine with sex And a lot of that purity culture overlay, especially in the United States, it was like a lot of, it became very political and it never should have. It is an extremely safe, well-studied vaccine. We are getting more and more data now that we're getting further out from, you know, when those young kids who first got it are now sexually active and would be exposed, we are seeing decreased rates of cervical cancers, abnormal pap smears. And that's amazing because if you have an abnormal pap smear, need to go back more frequently. You might need a colposcopy or cervical biopsies. You might need part of your cervix removed. These things cost money. They're emotional. They're painful. They can Mm. lead to pregnancy complications. Like why would you not want to prevent cancer in your kids? So absolutely. Um, And it needs to be in all kids, not just in girls, because it takes two to tango. And it's important to know that the human papillomavirus, and there's a few different strains, well, there's hundreds of strains, but the ones that cause cervical cancer, um, 80% of us who've ever had sex, we will have it at some point in time. So I call it the common cold of the vagina. So Mm -hmm. there's no amount of pap smears we can do, or no amount of safe sex we can have to make it go away at this point in time, because it's, it's around, we've all got it. Um, but you can through vaccination and that's what we're already seeing. We're seeing the rates go down and it's amazing. Um, cervical cancer is a horrible cancer to get and being an OBGYN in my residency, carrying the surgeries we have to do the radiation, the quality of life, it's horrible. It's horrible. And so you can absolutely know that when my kiddo was turned 11, a few months ago, we were at that office and I was like, give him all the vaccines, like give him his HPV vaccine. Like I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. And yeah, once again, giving them a vaccine that might have to do with sex. It's not like they go out and be like, well, now I'm protected. Let me go have sex with everybody. Um, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, but it is one of the safest vaccines. And I know that we all might have feelings about the CDC in the United States and what they've done with COVID and whatnot, but I will tell you that their website has really great information about statistics, mm-hmm. um, about what's happened afterwards. So if you want more information, I highly encourage you to go there to check it out. Okay. So thank you. That's, that's great information. I know, um, our kids at school, they get the vaccine. So they just, it's like, here's the Canada, here's the day that, and I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah. Like it was, it was a bit daunting, but what about me? What about, I didn't have that vaccine. So neither did I, I missed out on that boat too. So 
at least in the US, it's now FDA approved up to the age of 45. So they've extended it because let's say you even had HPV at one point in time when you're younger, your body yeah. can clear it, or you could get exposed to a different strain. So you mm. can get it if you've had it before. It's FDA approved up to 45, but you can absolutely get it after that. Um, and I do want to mention too, I only mentioned cervical cancer, but HPV also causes cancer of the vagina, the vulva, um, the throat, the anus, um, the mouth. And I can tell you that in uh, men who've had HPV associated throat cancer is also one of the most uncomfortable, like radiation to the throat can eat terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, and so we're seeing that that's helping too. Um, so yeah, so you can get it. Um, you can get it, you know, after you've been exposed, if you're older, you can totally get it. And to be clear, the way, how, how is it, it's transmitted through sex? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So the way that it gets to your throat, oral, anal sex, vaginal sex, all those things, which is why it's really important. You know, you're talking to kids about sex. Just mention that safe sex has to do with all of it. You know, we're not just talking about penis and vagina sex that you can definitely transmit things like herpes and chlamydia and all those things can happen in the mouth and then yeah. you go down below. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, we talked about a lot. Um, let's just talk <laughs> sure about, did. uh, yeah, <laughs> I, Love I, I have it. you for a couple more minutes. I have a couple more questions. Like I'm not um, done with you yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not done yet. Um, yeah. okay. So I want to talk to you about feeling <laughs> like those ads when I was younger, yeah. mom, I just don't feel fresh. So yes. like, what do you do? Like, okay. Is mm -hmm. there supposed to be a smell down there? Yeah. When is it too mm -hmm. smelly? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know all the things. Yeah. Okay, just okay, like, my, like my public service announcement on yeah. um, smell down there. So <laughs> I have many TikToks about like vaginas are supposed to smell like vaginas, meaning that it's not supposed to smell like pineapple, even though Summer's Eve wants you to think that it is because you need to buy their product, but it's not supposed to be a fruit salad. It's, it's just not. So a light scent is normal. You may notice it change with your cycle and that's okay. Um, reasons to reach out to be like, Hey, something might not be right is if your discharge changes and it's really yellow or green, itching, burning cottage, cheesy gray, mm -hmm. or that fishy odor, um, that can be a sign of bacterial vaginosis, but it's not always that, which is why it's important to just not like self-diagnose and treat over the counter. Um, I think this is really important to talk about with kids. Like I have seen many times where somebody's put a tampon in and they forgot about it. And then they have an odor coming in, think they have an infection and it's what we call a retained tampon. And we do an exam. We're like, Boop, there it is. And so not ideal, wow. but it's super important to let your kids know. And I've seen this in adults, all ages. Like they're like, I don't know. I work night shift. I forgot. I know. I yeah. took it out. I've been there. <laughs> I get I've it. We've there. all been there. We've all, I can't all been there. I took it out or not. And then I put no. another one in. Uh oh. Right. And you're like, right? where? And that, but it, don't worry. It doesn't float around your body. It's a blind ending tube. It's not going to go. <laughs> But, the questions uh, we have, like, where yeah. would it go? And it's fine. Like, it's totally fine. So definitely get checked out if any of those issues are going on. Um, okay. And it's really, I know it's so tempting to use the over-the-counter stuff, but what happens is you might think you have a yeast infection. So you use the over-the-counter monostat. Then it doesn't get better. Then you try again. Now you have a rash. Then you come in to see me and I'm like, I don't know if it, what it was. Is it that there was a yeast infection? You partially treated it. It's resistant. You are, you're having a side effect from the medicine maybe you douched in between there and that's a bad idea. Like so many, so many things. And so it's just, I think it's always good to get checked out if you can. Um, and I always tell people too, like, if you're not sure if it's normal or abnormal, like come on in and get checked out. Cause if it ends up being nothing, like at least we can have a moment of education about like what discharge is normal and it can change with your cycle. 
Um, right. There's right. really no stupid questions. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So smell it, it's supposed to smell, smell is mm-hmm. normal, but smell is yeah. also an indicator of there being something wrong. So right. Right. If it's strong, if get it's to different. Know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm seriously, I'm like, guys get to know what's normal for you. Cause everyone's different. Right. Um, and I really think that's a really important thing when it comes to your anatomy too. Like a mirror is your best friend. Look down there, know what looks normal, know what your labia look like, what your, where your clitoris is. Like, look at the yeah. skin, keep an eye on it because I bet most people aren't like doing an exam being like, let's check that mole. Like just know your body and know that that's your body. Not weird or different. It's just, it's just your body. It's your body and it's your yeah. body. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Now, my next question. And again, I have like a hundred more, <laughs> um, but my, my next question is what are teens asking you the most? What are, yes. what's on their minds? What, yeah. yeah what did they want to know? I will tell you so often it's like the stuff we hit on. They want to know if the discharge is normal. And a lot of times they want to send me a picture of it in my DMS. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I love that you are tracking things and I love that for you, but I cannot give advice. Um, but if you're that worried, I would love for you to partner with your healthcare provider, but yeah, they just, they don't know if it's normal. Um, a lot of them too have questions about like they're having sex and they're like, I don't know. Like I I'm afraid to, to ask my mom to be put on birth control. How do I get it? And that kind of breaks my heart because in a perfect world, we'd all talk, we'd all be able to talk to our parents and our kids. But mm-hmm. I also think it's okay to understand that not your, your kid doesn't always want to talk about everything with you. And that's where giving them a trusted adult, like a healthcare provider that they can have that confidential relationship with, I think is really important. Yeah. Even if you're like, well, I wish she wasn't having sex. I hear you. And she is. And like, how do we empower her to do it safely? Right. Um, and really teaching them, like, here's when, you know, here's when you're more likely to get pregnant and here's how to be safe. Um, and so many of them, you know, don't, don't know that they're not supposed to feel like death on their period. So many of them are asking me, like, am I supposed to be throwing up every day? I'm like, oh my God, no, honey, that could be endometriosis. Like, let's get, you need to get that checked out. Um, And I just, you know, they just want to, teenagers are really smart, even though, you know, sometimes your own teenagers, you're like, seriously, like, how old are you? They really do want to make good choices. It's just that sometimes mm-hmm. they just don't know where to go or they just feel so scared or they don't want to disappoint their parents. So I think it's important to have that message of like, I'm your safe space. If you're in trouble, know that I will always be here for you. It doesn't mean I'm giving you free reign to do whatever, but just know that you can always talk to me and we'll get you whatever help it is that it. you need. It's so yeah. You know, and you know what? That's everything that I talk about is having yeah. a safe place, being yeah. a kid's safe place, no matter right. what, right. No matter right. what is going on in their lives without judgment, right. without criticism, without shaming mm-hmm. them, uh, making fun of them and holding yeah. it over their head. Like, Oh, yeah. look at, you know, look who's yeah. on the rag, you know, like, right. Exactly. Like, oh my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I had a dad who was so uncomfortable with it all that it made <laughs> comfortable. It's like, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they've actually, they've studied it where they have looked at, um, maternal interpretation of your own period. So whether or not you walked around saying my period sucks and I hate life and da da da, those kids are more likely to rate their periods as being painful or uncomfortable, but how you model it. I'm not saying you lie, but like how you model it, like, Oh, okay. I'm my period, whatever. I'm I'm asleep today, but you know, I don't know. You can just, how you interpret these things, including how ashamed you feel about it you're impacting your kid, which is really cool. It means that you've got a chance to set them on the right path. And if you are like, oh my God, I haven't been doing any of this. That's okay. 
kids mm-hmm. are also really forgiving and they, you know, it's really Never cool too late. to see how we learn and be like, you know, I said that thing about you being on your period. Right. Really, I'm really sorry. And here's why it's important. And for them to see that is such a good lesson for them. Oh. So I love it. I love that you said that. That's so great. It really is never too late. I mean, that's a philosophy I live by as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and take it from me, not talking about it is not going to help shaming your kids for their own bodies, changes and growths Mm -hmm. is not helpful. You know, being embarrassed to the point where you won't talk about it is not helpful. And, uh, so yeah, it, it, it just, it just isn't. And, and, and I, and I, I just want to reiterate again, that the conversation starts at a young age, Mm -hmm. age appropriately that you don't shy away from it. It's not going to make them more sexual, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think understanding the facts, knowing the facts, like, uh, you know, somebody like you gives us the permission to, to say, okay, I can call it a penis or I can, you know, yes. and look, I'll, I'll be honest. We don't really talk about them like that. Like, and that's part yeah. of my issue. Like, I'm like, where's your, you know, no, I don't say it like that, but like, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, there's, you know, ah, I can't even say a sentence where I say, <laughs> but we say, peep. we say your peep. Cause I'm, I, I was about to say yeah. really creepy stuff, but anyway, um, no, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. It's all good. And we're, we've yeah. all been there. And just cause we're out here saying this, I mean, we have, it's never perfect. Cause we all came from where, I mean, I did at least yeah. where you didn't talk about it. I will say if you want a great resource, sex positive families is oh. a website that I love. They have so much good age appropriate stuff. Um, the woman who runs it, she's amazing. She's got groups, she's got a book. And what I love is that it's just, she's just got so much good stuff there. So if you want a resource, oh, you know, to you. help you and it's, they've got it by age, by topic, <laughs> like it's amazing. And, when and you I would say, say you, you mean me, <laughs> no, I mean, everybody, I mean, trust me, I have the book. I look at it too. And I'm like, okay, what do we do about this? You know, cause I'm, you know, you can be an expert and your kids still, they stump you. And you're like, how do I handle this? Um, and I would yeah. say my book, the way that I recommend my book to people as an answer as a resource is that it's not the first book you give kids. It's not about puberty. It's about the things mm-hmm. they want to know afterwards. And I have found from my people who've told me with their kids, the way that they, they do is they like leave it in the bathroom or they leave it out. And then they see their, you know, 16 year old is reading it and yeah. then we'll come to you with a question or again, just by giving your kids these resources, like it tells them that they can ask you and not their random friend on the bus who yeah. has been watching that port and has been telling them like, Oh no, you're, yes, you're supposed to wax, you know, you don't, you're not supposed to have pubic hair down there. Like, no. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and there's just one more thing I want to say. Yeah. And that is that, um, when you have a lot of shame around it, can create sexual dysfunction later. Oh, totally. Uh, right. Because absolutely. You, right. And so I just, I, 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 I can see that and I can identify with that oh, and that's yeah. not fun. Nope. You know, absolutely. So, and when we, we say like people have pain with sex or issues with sex. Yeah. We do a physical exam and all that stuff. And sometimes that's what's going on. So much of it is, well, I've grown up being told that I'm dirty and maybe not even explicitly, but by not ever talking about these things or using these words, we're telling our kids that we can't. And that part of their body is something gross and bad um, and pleasure is bad. And that really gets in your brain and really makes it hard to have a fulfilling sexual relationship as as an adult. Um, Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's huge. Yeah. And as much as you Mm -hmm. don't want to think about your own kids in that way, Mm -hmm you, you know, you're doing a disservice by not talking about this. So please talk to your kids and you can find my amazing guest, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln 
all over the place. Um, <laughs> like you are on Twitter, Twitter, Dr. Jen Lincoln. You are on TikTok at Jen, at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, yeah. Instagram at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln and YouTube, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So yeah, kind of the same thing. Of, <laughs> yeah. 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 You know what? It changes sometimes. And I know I've made the mistake of like doing different ones all over the place, yeah. but anyway, you are pretty consistent and that's great. And everything that we talked about will be in the show notes and, uh, sex positive families. I'll make sure the link is there as well. Now let's quickly talk about something. Oh my goodness is so, I want to swear valuable Mm -hmm. for, for moms listening for their teen girls. And that Mm -hmm. is that in the parent toolbox, you have a checklist for a checklist for what to expect on your first OBGYN visit. Yeah. Yeah. That is empowering times a million. If you ask me, um, because things could go wrong. Oh yeah. You could have somebody that wants to do something that isn't on that list and that's not okay. And if you don't know any better, how do you know how to speak up? So yeah, if you go to my website, drjenniferlincoln.com, again, same thing. Um, and you click to subscribe to my, my newsletter, it'll be sent to you. Um, I had so much fun making that and I didn't think it would be that helpful because again, you're like, this isn't, you know, I'm sure people know this, but no, people don't know that you don't need an exam for this or that, or just again, being informed is being empowered. So knowing what to expect either for yourself or to how to like use it as a guide to talk with your kids, like go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I think it's so important. And honestly, like I would review it too, just oh, to yeah, make sure. sure right? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Trust me. I know I'm yeah, yeah. It's for all ages for sure. So yeah, feel free to enjoy that. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Parent-toolbox.com is where you can get that. And uh, we will just so appreciate all of this information. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this in such a shame-free way. I just absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Robin. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.